Tonight, I'm not going to speak about sanctuary tonight. I am going to talk about different subject tonight. I am going to talk about spiritual blindness. And I believe this subject is very, very important, especially in the time you and I are living in the church. The spiritual blindness has covered whole church. Leadership and layman as well. The sp- spiritual blindness is the one of the most hideous problem in our church. I'd like to ask you, well, before I read uh, the Bible, uh, chapter 3 of Revelation, I'm, I'm going to read a quotation from Ellen White, Early Writings, page 270. Let me read this first, and then we'll go on to the text. It said like this, I asked the meaning of the shaking I had seen and was shown that it would be caused by the straight testimony called forth by the counsel of the true witness to the Laodiceans. This will have its effect upon the heart of the receiver and will lead him to exalt the standard and pour forth the straight truth. Some will not bear this straight testimony. They will rise up against it. And this is what will cause a shaking among God's people. I saw that the testimony of the true witness has not been half heeded. The solemn testimony upon which the destiny of the church hangs has been lightly esteemed, if not entirely disregarded. This testimony must work deep repentance. All who truly receive it will obey it and be purified. Now, it's talking about straight testimony. Let's ask ourselves, what is the true testimony? What is the what true straight testimony? We understand, we talk about, and we preach about straight testimony, but what is the true, true uh, straight testimony? According to this description by Ellen G. White, our prophet, Remember? She says, straight testimony is a witness by true, well, actually the message from the true witness in Revelation to the church of Laodicea. That's what she said here. So, we have to go to the Revelation chapter 3 and find out what she's trying to say to us now. Okay, Revelation. Maybe you heard about this sermon before. But I'm going to put it slightly different way, in different perspective. Revelation chapter 3, as a Seventh-day Adventist people, how we cannot know this verse. We know this by heart, right? Okay, this is message to us, to our church. All right, verse 17 and 18, I will read. Because you say, I'm rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. It says blind, 
Make a note of it. Verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may, the rich, you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with what? I salve, that you may see. You see, Laodicean church is blind. It's their problem. The leadership of Laodicean church is blind. The people of that church are blind. That's the problem. They cannot see. If they cannot see, how they, how they can find the truth and the right road and the right path. You see, they cannot see. This is the pri- precisely the problem. As I shared my testimony this afternoon, I now thoroughly understand I was blind. But by the grace of God, now I can see. You see, one of the most important subjects is this. We need to restore our spiritual eyesight. Otherwise, you cannot recognize the truth. You know, you cannot understand the truth. You cannot see the kingdom of God. And you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. If you study chapter 3 of John, Jesus Christ plainly explained to Nicodemus, if you are not born again, if you're not converted, then you cannot see the kingdom of God first. And then secondly, verse 5, he said, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You see, entering into the kingdom of God comes later. Maybe Well, well actually, it has a spiritual uh, meaning too to it. But actuality, when Jesus comes, we are going to come into, go into the kingdom of God. But in this world, without being convert, con- converted, you cannot see. You cannot see the truth. You cannot see the works of the Holy Spirit. You cannot see the truth and light at all. Because you're blind. How can you see? And sometimes you're, you're wondering why some church people treat you this way. Why church put you out, cast you out of this fellowship. Or some, some, some ministers treat you this way. You wonder why. Because I tell you they are blind. I proclaim by the authority of God here on this, uh, on this pulpit right here now. They treat you because they are blind. They cannot see. It's so simple, isn't it? Sometimes we, we do not want to recognize it, but they're blind. How do I know? I was one of them. That's how I know. <laughs> when I heard about independent ministry, when I heard about third and this mess and all this, and I thought, they're all fanatical. I could not see. I heard, I saw, I could not see. I read, I could not see, I could not understand. You see, I had a very interesting experience when I was in Chicago pastoring. We had a group of blind people came over to Chicago from Korea. Uh, they were blind people choir. 
they play piano well. You know, one lady plays whole hymn book without looking at it, memorize everything. If we just give her the title, she plays it. She memorizes all the majors, sharps and flats and everything. All the notes, 875 hymns. Is she just memorized like this? If you say something, she just plays. And uh, one person, uh, you know, she, she can pl- uh, he can play violin on, on one, uh, just one, one leg stand like this, you know, and everything. I mean, they were, they were fantastic musicians. They came over and visited our church, and they performed a uh, music program for us, music concert for us. And our church donated money for them, too. Uh, but funny thing happened. And I and uh, my fellow ministers took them to the Sears Tower. Is there anyone who been to Chicago before? That you know Sears Tower, right? The Sears Tower is the tallest tower in the world. Yes, it is. It's taller than uh, the Empire State Building, and taller than uh, trade trade building in the uh, in the New York. You know, twin building. It's, it's taller than that. Just a little bit. Well, anyway, we took them, and I asked them. Well, there are a few, few places that, that we can take, but I mean, since you cannot see, I mean, uh, is it okay to, to take you somewhere? I mean, the, uh, when we have a guest, we always take them like to, to Michigan Lake. You know, it's, a, it's a big place. It's like sea, you know. At, at first, when I, when I saw, is this a lake or sea? I mean, this is must be sea. I actually went down and tasted the water, and then I believe it's a lake, but it's not ocean. It's so big, you know that. And uh, we took them to the, to the Michigan Lake, and I explained to them what's happening around them. And I took them to the Sears Tower and I explained to them what's happening. You see, uh, up to the 100 second, second, second story to, to, to see around. You see, that elevator uh, take us up to within 60 seconds. Just zooming up. It's very fast. It's, uh, you feel very dizzy, you know, in that. And we, we took, the, the, took them up there, you see. And then came down. And funny thing happened. Two blind people stayed at home. They didn't want to go. And few others went with me. And as we came back, these people, these blind people who went to, to, for sightseeing with me, as they come in, you see, well, think about this. These blind people to their fellow who stayed and say, Oh, you see, friend, you missed wonderful sightseeing. <laughs> You just, you just missed the most wonderful thing to see. I was dumbfounded. I was like, I mean, can you see? <laughs> That's exactly what they said. You missed important, very wonderful sizing, they said. Well, as a matter of fact, some of, of them can see very vaguely. I mean, if they can, they can put things very closely on their eyes. It's very foggy and cloudy, but they can recognize something, the figures, some of them. Well, anyway, please understand me. You know, I'm not making fun of them at all. They're dear Christians. There are many blind Christians that are better than we are. But it's, it's, it was so funny to me. Blind people are talking about sightseeing. That's exactly what is happening in the church. You see, we should see a marvelous works of the Holy Spirit in the church. We should see the spirituality of Jesus Christ and His character. We should see what's going on in the world and the fulfilling of the prophecy. 
understanding of the, of the word of God, we should see the great, great, the great expectation of, of the kingdom of God in heaven, in reality. And yet, and yet, they think they see, but they don't see. They're talking about like they, they can see. And even preachers come up and preach, oh, you missed something. But he himself could not see. They're blind, spiritually blind. That is the condition of the church of Laodicea. So don't be confused why you are so being persecuted by the church. Don't worry about that. As long as you are right with the Lord, and as long as, as you believe the truth and vindicate the historical Adventist truth, you're okay. That's what counts the most. God is not going to count you how much you've been educated or what kind of job you hold or position in the church, what kind of performance you give to the church, how much money you give the church. It can be nothing before the eyes of God. I tell you, I tell you. Now, at this juncture, I'd like to, I'd like to invite you to the journey through the Bible and I'm going to show you something and it made me to realize and say ah that is what's happening in the church the things I'm going to show you tonight and you will see with me too and this Bible told me what is going on around us at this juncture of time we'll see it together okay don't, don't go to sleep now. This is a very important subject, okay? <laughs> because even though I don't, I'm not going to t- tell you any stories t- tonight, I mean, it's, it's a very important subject. Okay, let's study together. Now, first of all, Second Corinth, I mean, First Corinthians, I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Okay? But, as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of, heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through what? His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Okay, now you tell me. There's only one glasses we can see through to see the spiritual things actually the kingdom of God. Then what is it? What is it? Holy Spirit, the Bible says, in order to see the deep things of God, we should receive the Holy Spirit. Without Holy Spirit, you cannot see. You're blind. That's why the Laodicean message, it says, church is blind. I want you to see, you know, to see by a eye solve from me. That eye solve is Holy Spirit upon your eyes. You know, you cannot put Holy Spirit on your eyes like this because it's, it's not in reality, it's that tangible one. You should experience and receive in your heart. And then you will see through your spiritual eyes. Now let's go on. Then how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Right? Second Peter. Let's go to Second Peter now. Chapter 1, verse 21. 
Well, let's study Bible very simple way. We don't have to confuse people. It's very simple to understand. Now, chapter 1, verse 21, it goes this way. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the what? Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. Now, how can we receive the Holy Spirit? Through the study of the Word of God. Not, not just Word, but inspired Word of God. Which means Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy. Are they inspired Word of God? Oh yes. So if we study, do we receive the Holy Spirit? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Now I'll tell you one, one more thing. How are we going to be converted? By the study and reading of God's Word. We are being born again by the Word of God. So if we, with, with, with seeking heart, with humbling heart, if we open the Bible and say, Lord, I don't know. Help me to understand. Help me to see. It's your job. I'm in desperate. Open the Bible, prayerfully. You don't have to rush through. Slowly, you try to read. Prayerfully. The Holy Spirit will come. I will guarantee you, if He doesn't come, that means there's no Holy Spirit. If you sincerely believe, with sincere heart, and with searching heart, open the Bible and Spirit prophecy, prayerfully read, Holy Spirit will come into your heart. Of course, you have to confess your sins before. If you have a known sins in your heart, the Holy Spirit cannot come in. Holy Spirit can come to you and then wooing, wooing to you, but He cannot live in you. When sin comes in, Holy Spirit goes out. When Holy Spirit comes in, sin goes out. They cannot dwell among us together. No way. That's not what my Bible says. Okay? Now, so which means, okay, in order to solve our, our blind problem, we have to have eyes solved. I solve is the Spirit of God. How can we receive the Spirit of God? Just read the inspired Word of God. That's, that's exactly what we, we should do. Now, and then one more thing. Acts chapter 5, verse 32. Acts chapter 5, verse 32. 532, Acts. And it says... And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who, what? Obey, Obey him. Do you want to, want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Obey God's truth. Then you will receive Holy Spirit. It's so simple, isn't it? The Bible says, if we study and read inspired word, then we can receive Holy Spirit. And then when we read, if we pledge ourselves to obey God's word, then we will receive Holy Spirit. As simple as that. How, how can I make simpler than this to receiving Holy Spirit? Now, and then, now we'll go to the main subject. That's all open chapter 9 of John. I'm going to show you something here. Chapter 9 of John. Chapter 9 of John, verse 1 through, through 7 first. I'm going to read. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man 
who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Well, let's stop and explain this a little while. There was a blind man. Jesus Christ and disciples was passing by. Evidently, this man was asking Jesus, Oh Lord, Jesus of Nazareth, heal me. I want to see. And then disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, is this this man's sin or his parents? Why he's born blind? He didn't, he didn't do anything before he became blind. He was born blind. What happened? Do you know nowadays still many Seventh-day Adventists believe the retributive God, the retribution of God? You see? Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. If you do something wrong, if you do something wrong, or if you commit sin, and God is going to punish you for that, or something. Always, God is a retributive God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you follow me? You see, God is not that way. If you study Job, you will understand it better. God is not that way. You see, in, in America, if you, if, if you see in insurance policy, there's one title that says, Act of God. By earthquake, by flood, or something, you know, like, uh, it's, a, it's an act of God. They terribly misunderstand God's character here, right? And rather, Jesus said, no, it's not his, his sin, it's not his parents' sin either. He was born blind because... For the glory of God. I'll tell you. You see, I know many, many Seventh-day Adventist people, the member of Laodicean Church. They are going to wake up and begin to see. The first thing they do is they will glorify God and praise God. Same thing will happen. Well, I, I cannot uh, abide in, uh, in here too much. Let's go on. Verse 5 and on. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, which means his spit, right? And he anointed the, uh, anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went and washed and came, came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who pre previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this, this, this he who sat and begged? You know, strange thing happened. There's no one like to spit on the ground and then, you know, just like this and, uh, and take a, you know, you know, grab some clay and put it on the blind man's eyes. This is a very primitive thing Jesus has done. That's a strange thing. I mean, the, one of the strangest things Jesus has done when he was in this world. What this mean? Let me tell you a very simple way. Okay, I will tell you a simple way because my English is short. Okay, <laughs> and the secondly, I want to explain a very simple way. That's why. Now, clay 
earth, ground, soil, all these means earthliness. You see, earthen vessel symbolize human being, us. Always ground and clay and earth symbolize earthliness. Do you get it now? Now Jesus Christ spit on the ground and make a clay and covered his eyes with the clay. Which means this person, spiritually speaking, he, I mean, Jesus Christ, all the time, Jesus Christ was, was telling us parable even when he was healing the sick. Healing the sick is in a way a living parable to teach us something, spiritual lessons. You know that, don't you? I believe it that way. So spiritually, Jesus Christ is telling us something because around this instant, the church authority problem came up. If you read John 8, 9, and 10, you will understand, my brothers and sisters. The problem of the church authority and organization came up. And then he, in his purpose, he performed this miracle to teach us something. We have to see it. You see, he put, he covered with the clay. Spiritually speaking, this is what Jesus Christ is telling us. Look, do you know why you are blind? Because you are blind, because you are, you are, your spiritual eyes are covered with humanly things, human traditions, human laws, human policies, human teachings, human errors, earthliness. Because of that earthliness covered your eyes, you cannot see it. If you commit yourself to the leadings and works of the Holy Spirit, you will understand the deep things of God. That is what Jesus Christ is telling us. You know, my eyes were covered by the all earthly theologians explaining about how can we saved and church policies. If you are disbelished from the church, you lose your salvation. That's a Catholic doctrine. And, and many more doctrines. I love this church. You see, I love Seventh-day Adventist church. This is my mother church. I was grown up and educated in this church. How can I abandon this church? And yet, we have to, we have to realize a lot of things going on in the church and teachings are, are teachings in the church make you and I blind. It's so sad. Church should be should be a place we come and receive Holy Spirit and recover our our spiritual eyesight. But rather, it's reversed. Sometimes I feel agonized. But I have to tell some person, yes, there's a church, and you have to go to, go to that church. There was a funeral service last year in our, in our place. And uh, two daughters of the mother who passed away came to, to attend the service. Oh, they were weeping and weeping and crying. They were not Christians. Their mother was. I baptized her, you know. So I held a 
funeral service. In that funeral service, do you know what I did? The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. Instead of I talking to the congregation, I turned to them, just two daughters, and I, and I spoke to them for half an hour. The sermon just for two, two of them. And I, I, I directly I turned myself to them and said, I spoke with them and pleaded with them for half an hour. In that, in that service, funeral service. You know, funeral service can be a good evangelistic meeting. You see? And I did. Afterward, they came to our church. And then they became Seventh-day Adventists. After the service, they, they, their hearts were opened, became Adventists. In a way, fervent too. One of them is living in Korea. And one of them living in Hawaii. What do you have to do? I have to tell them, yes, there's a Seventh-day Adventist church there. Please go. While I was saying on the phone, my heart was aching. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because I know the pastor in that church. He doesn't preach the truth. What do you do in that situation, honestly? I challenge you tonight. I have the experience. How do you do in that situation? That's the only church I can send to. I told her, please go, that, go to the church. She was baptized in that church too. When I went to the Korea for meeting, the early September, actually, actually last month to Korea, I was so glad to see one of the sisters came to our meeting. And somehow Holy Spirit inspired her heart. They got hold of our, our camp meeting tapes. And she understands our message now. And I feel really, really released a lot, you know. But I'm still worrying about one in Hawaii. I'm sorry, I have to say very sadly, sometimes... I feel that uh, if I send this person to this church, this church preacher or the congregation will make this person spiritually just blind. I know that. But in a way, there's no other alternative. This is a crucial and sad situation you and I know in our church nowadays. You know, earthliness covered their eyes that's why they cannot see. And then Jesus said, Okay, you go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. Siloam means sand. You know, water stands for what in the Bible? Holy Spirit! Jesus did not send him to the priest. Jesus did not send him to the institutions. Jesus sent him to the right directly to the Holy Spirit. And say, you, yourself, you see, I say, well, don't let anybody wash you, wash you. You can wash yourself. You go and just wash yourself. So he did, washed himself. When with the Holy Spirit symbolically, that water, when he washed his eyes, the clays covered his eyes. When we washed them away, the Bible says, he began to see. He began to see things. He was so rejoicing. He came back. Oh, I can see it now. He came back, you know. And then his, 
his face experience, his countenance was so changed and transformed, people could not recognize him. That's why they say, oh, is this the man who sat down there and begging for all these years? Is this the same man? Well, I don't know, maybe he looks like him. When, you ha- when we have a conversion experience, folks, our whole attitude, our smile, our countenance are going to be transformed. We'll be a different person. We'll be happy, peaceful, restful. People will not recognize us as a certain person. We are so different. You see? And then people begin to ask. You see, when this, these kind of things happen, always people ask, how, right? How did you begin to see? How did it happen to you? You see, let's read on now. Okay, verse 9. And on. Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. And people surprised. And then verse 10. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes open? They also asked why and how and how. He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. He didn't even know where Jesus Christ is. He didn't even know he was Jesus Christ from the first place. Now, and then things happen. Because, well, healing the blind was not, was not a problem. But Jesus healed this blind person on what day? Sabbath day. That caused a problem in the church. And then they accused Jesus Christ. Breaking the Sabbath. You see, this is a time the people gather around and praising Lord because blind man can see now. But this time, because it was performed by the independent ministry, they began to see the fault on them. They said, oh, he performed this miracle on Sabbath? He, he, he's break, he was breaking the Sabbath. He didn't, they didn't care about see if this blind, blind person can see now or not. They all cared about as if Jesus Christ will keep the policy of the church or not. Am I right or not? Do you see same thing is happening over, over, and over in our churches now? At least I see it. You know, when our ministry began, as I told you before, in my ministry, no one single person, single soul, had an had a uh, conversion experience. At least I can see. I realize it. I'm so ashamed of it, but I realize and I, and I admit it. But since Lord led us into this independent ministry, oh boy, how many phone calls and letters that I received with sobbing voices and on the phone I said, Pastor, your message touched my heart. Your magazine, your work touched my heart, changed all our family. I'm praising the Lord. 
Now I began to see. But church do not care about that. Church care about see if you are following their rules or not. I'm sorry to say this. I'm saying this, 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 uh, saying this to you because I'm honest. That's all. Because that's exactly what I see. Because God is my witness. I'm not condemning my brethren. I'm not criticizing the church. I'm just telling you the fact that I have been experienced. Am I committing a bad mistake to telling you my honesty, my honest understandings? Now, let's read on then. Verse 13 and on. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made a clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. Do you know there's a division among the leaders in our church about, about the independent ministries too? You see? <laughs> and I find, find that chapter 9 of John is very amusing to me in a way. That's enlightening to me. You see, they judge Jesus Christ breaking the Sabbath according to the human policies. Jesus was the, was the originator of the Sabbath. How could, could we commit the Sabbath wrong way? You see, he was the one who was really keeping the Sabbath. But they accused of him breaking the Sabbath. Jesus Christ was not breaking the Sabbath. Jesus Christ was the breaking the human policies, human laws. Earthliness, clay, remember? Verse 17 goes, goes on like this. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. He's a prophet. Now this blind man, he doesn't understand what's going on. He just wants to, want to tell them what they are and what, what he feels, what he experienced, you know. I'll tell you what. Uh, there were some honest Korean Adventists, you know. And I went to one church and I... And I preached a straight testimony, and then and one lady got hold of my tape. And uh, she was so excited, and then brought that tape to his minister, his pastor in the church, and said, Pastor, have you listened to David, David Kong before? And I said, no. Well, he's on fire. Why don't you preach like him? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Do you know what happens? Oh, <laughs> you see, I know this kind of honest things has been going on many times. That caused me to suffer more, in a way. Do you know what I'm saying? I am not going to say any further, but you know how the story went. When person go to the pastor and do that, how it will affect me. 
You know what I'm saying? But, but at the same time, that person was so honest. He was excited for a change. This person was the same thing. He was excited. He was blind before. Now, now, I mean, he was born blind. He could see nothing. Now he can see how excited this person can be. That, that's what I was. When I began to see, I was so excited. I began to preach. And people listen. That's, what, that's why I made some big commotion in Korean community. Because I was excited over the gospel. What can you do? You have to tell about it. Because Jesus Christ saved my family. What can you say? You see, the same thing happening to this. You know, I heard over and over this kind of things from the leadership of our church like this. Well, Davy Kong, you know, you, you claim that you are preaching the gospel, real gospel, and you're changing people's character. Okay, let's see. Those people who went to your meeting and came back, and they're the ones who are causing problems and divisions in the, divisions in the church. Have you ever listened to that before? Yes. Oh, maybe the, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one there. <laughs> You see why they are doing it? Because they are excited. They want to say things. They can see now. That's why. It's so simple. But these Pharisees took it as a problem and troublemakers. Why? Because they cannot see. They cannot see. That's why in Matthew, Jesus Christ said what? Matthew 15, actually. Well, because if the leaders, which is blind, lead, lay people, which is blind, both are going to perish. Blind leads blind. They both perish. That's exactly what is happening in the church, folks. I want to say it like it is. Maybe uh, very diplomatic Americans come in, and they, maybe they can say... Uh, better way, I mean, you know, more, more very uh, kind, <laughs> very uh, easy way, but uh, I don't know, maybe because I'm a Korean. I want to say it as it is, but because that's the truth. And then, the terrible thing happens. Oh, before we go on, let me tell you this story. When, when you know, leadership and say, well, these are the ones who cause you to cause the trouble. And then, do you know what they say? Well, let me see your church. Well, you are independent church, holier than, than thou kind of people. Let me see your church people. Oh, you're, sometimes I hear the rumors that you're, even your church members fight. There are problems amongst you too. Yes. Sometimes we have problems in our church too. They're imperfect. We're imperfect yet. We are going toward that mark, you know. But I'll tell you something. You know, the Pharisees and the leaders of the church at the time of Jesus Christ said and asked the same question to Jesus Christ. It's not in the Bible, but I believe they, they did. They said, Jesus, you think, you think you are the Messiah, right? And you think you have the kingdom and you have 12 disciples? Well, let me see. I mean, is your church better than our regular church? Let me see. If you claim you to be, be a wheat and we are tares, well, let me, let me see. What kind of wheat do you have? See, Peter, see, so hasty, making mistakes. John, 
has like anger, temper. Jake James, same way. Thomas, what? So, so you're doubting. Well, actually, all of them was in trouble and problem. You see? But let me ask you something. Who were the ones who received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? They are the ones, disciples, who were defective in a while. And yet, they love Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus Christ in chapter 6 of John, when Jesus scared all the throng who were trying to crown Jesus Christ, I say, you go away, you people. You are trying to follow me. Wrong regions. Go away. I don't need it. I'm not here to become a king. I'm here to, to become a savior for you. I have to die for you. Go away. And then Jesus Christ turned around and asked to 12 disciples, do you want to go too? At that time, what Peter said, Lord, I'm so saddened. I can understand, but there, he said, there's a word of life in you. Where do we, where, should, where, where, where can we go? Where shall we go? Nowhere but yourself. You see, they stood with Jesus Christ. They stood, go through all the trials and temptations and tests with Jesus Christ. They stood with Him. You see, even though they were imperfect, they stood with the truth. They could not go anywhere. When people criticize you and tempt you and say, Oh, look at this, you crazy people. You see, you, you go to a meeting like this, and look at you, you have the same problem like we do in the church. Don't be despair. Don't be, don't be discouraged by that. They always say that. You see, but I'll tell you, I know who are going to be candidates are going to receive the letter A when it comes in England. Do you know what I'm talking about? We should have a vision. That's what I tell to my people in our church. Of course, I, I rebuke them sometimes when they do wrongs. But we have to have a hope. We have to have a hope. You know, at the time of first coming of Jesus Christ, these Jewish people so, so blinded, they could not see in what method the Messiah would come. Do you know why? Because the Bible in Old Testament over and over and over, especially in chapter 22 of Psalm and 41 Psalm and 53 of Isaiah, is full of it about suffering Messiah, dying Messiah for the sin of the world. It's full of it, the, the prophecy. Then how in the world they believe that kingly Messiah when Jesus came? And that's why they denied Jesus. Why? They didn't accept and reject Jesus. Why? Human earthliness, human earthly teachings cover their eyes. You see, in the Bible, in Old Testament, there are two advent, advents of a Messiah. Second advent and first advent. And they were to interpret the second advent as a Messiah coming. They were blind. They were blind. You know what? Nowadays, the Seventh-day Adventists are so blind. The Seventh-day Adventist church people are rejecting the Holy Spirit. 
Jewish people, Jewish church rejected the Messiah because they distorted the understanding of the true coming, the method of Messiah. Same way. Our church is expecting to finish the work in wrong way. Wrong vision. You see, Ellen White said clearly, this church, in this church, in the last days, the Holy Spirit is going to work so uncommonly, so in un unexpected ways. People will not, will not recognize it when it's falling on the brethren on the side. You see, we have different idea, human idea. The latter reign of the Holy Spirit is going to fall upon the church so unexpectedly, so uncommonly. People will say, oh, that's a fanatical movement. You know what? When the loud, loud cry begins, maybe a lot of church people are going to sue us to hinder the church, the order and peace of the church. That's exactly what is going to happen to the people of God in the last days. You know, let's read. And that's an interesting story uh, goes on. Verse 18. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? You see, they got hold of his parents and asking these questions. And then parents got very afraid, right? And then they, asked, they answered questions this way. Well, listen, verse 19. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son? Well, verse 20, his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He's of age, ask him, he will speak up for himself. What's happening here? They are afraid of the authority of the church, and they're lying. They're lying and they're breaking the commandments here. Do you see this? In order to be stay in the church, in order to be not cast out from the church because of the afraid of the Jews, they were breaking God's commandment. Even it takes breaking God's commandment, they wanted to stay in the church. Oh, don't misunderstand me. I'm not preaching and telling you to come out from the church. No, I'm not preaching. I never preached. I never said even a hint that church became a Babylon. No, the Seventh-day Adventist church is never a Babylon. Never a Babylon. It will not be Babylon. It is not the, not, not, not the Babylon. Do you know why? There's one reason. Before, as we go any further, let me clarify, okay? With chapter 1 of Isaiah. Let's go back and then we'll come back here. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. There's an interesting story here. Verse 8 and on, I will read. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Unless 
The Lord of hosts had left to us a very small what? Remnant. We would have become like what? Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifice to me? Now what is happening? This is happening the dilemma of our God. Even our God had a dilemma like this. You see, he sees the sins and practices and, and even, even the ministries like Gomorrah and Sodom and the Jewish church at the time. And yet Jesus Christ could not call them Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? The only reason, because God spared a small remnant still in the church. The only reason that Seventh-day Adventists cannot become a Babylon is this. Because there is a truth and light in this church. Still we are the truth bearer. And then God left. Still it's a small, but still small remnant. Faithful Adventists still in the church. That's why this church cannot become Babylon. And as, as far as I'm concerned, according to the Bible, the word of God, that is the only reason this church cannot become Babylon. But can it be the sins and the practices of the Babylon can exist in the church? Yes, definitely. That's what Bible says. That's why what God called the rulers of the church, you rulers of the Sodom and Gomorrah. Can't you see the, the, the dilemma of our God faced here? At the time of Isaiah? Oh, brothers and sisters, can't you see what's going on in the church? I don't know. When I preach like this, I (laughs) take myself into trouble. But I want to be honest. If I do not believe accordingly, if I do not believe it according to the Bible and spirit prophecy, my Lord who saved my life, my Lord who gave, gave my spiritual sight back, He is going to change me and correct me. But as I firmly I can stand now, this is my understanding. If you have problem, talk to me afterward, please. But I honestly see the same situation in our church. You know, um, I'm going to tell you a story. Everybody likes a story I found out. You know, young and old and woman and man and child, they all like stories, don't you? Even though it's a children's story, they like them. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you one children's story, okay? (laughs) Okay, allow me to tell you one children's story. There was a church school in America, and there was a boy named Wallace, and he was rather fat, you know, enormous big in a way. Uh, and in that school, they was preparing to put on a put on a drama, the Christmas drama, on the stage for the church for their for their parents. And this teacher was was uh, asking students, okay, who is who would like to play Joseph? 
And every boy is there raising their hand. Well, I would like to play Joseph. I like to play. Say, me, 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 you see. And teacher selected one, not Wallace. Who is who like to play Mary? All the girls raised their hand, and she selected one. And then who like to play three kings? Every boy stood there, I mean, I mean you know, you know, raised their hands. And then teacher selected three, three of them, not fat Wallace. And, uh, and then, well, they say, who are going to play shepherds? And everybody raised their hands. And then this teacher selected them, not Wallace. And then she asked, okay, who is going to play an innkeeper? No one would like to play innkeeper. Innkeeper is rejecting Christ, you know? No one is trying to say no to Jesus. But teacher goes around and says, Wallace, you do it. That's what happened, you know? <laughs> Okay, and uh, Wallace was, okay, if you want me to, I'll play. So he got the part. And they were rehearsing and rehearsing and practicing. And the day came. And they drew the curtain. And it was packed. The church was packed. All the members and the parents, they just this, this came. And, the, and Wallace's parents came too. And uh, the scene came. And there was a human donkey. And Joseph and Mary, you see, they were going around, knocking on the, on the doors of the inns and saying, could you please let us in? My wife isn't pregnant. She's in trouble. Would you help us? You know, like this. And then every inn said, no, I'm sorry. We don't have any, any rooms in our, in our house. I'm sorry. I just rejected and rejected. And then finally, a third time, the Mary and Joseph came to the door where the Wallace was standing. You see, this Wallace was a very kind-hearted person. You see? And then uh, Joseph and Mary came and said, Sir, my wife is pregnant and we are weary. Would you let us in? Would you just give me just a small room? I mean, we don't care. Would you just let us stay in? And this Wallace could not say no. And he, oh, well, oh, well. And then behind the curtain, a teacher says, Wallace, say no, say no. And then, well, he goes, well, oh, well. And the parents in, 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 in the pew say, Wallace, say no, say no. And then still Wallace could not say no. Oh, well, well. All the members say, Wallace, say no, no. <laughs> so finally, Wallace had to say, well, I'm sorry, no. You see, and then, Wallace watched this, this Joseph and Mary turned around with sad look. They're going like this. Oh, you know, Wallace's heart was broken. And he said, out of scream, they say, Well, stop, sir. You can come back. You can take my room. <laughs> you know, I love to keep, tell this story to children. And I tell them like this, children, maybe humanly eyes, it was a disaster in that drama. But you know what? Our Jesus Christ, our Savior, saw a best Christmas drama in that church on that day. You know, many, many people in the church now, they say, saying no to Holy Spirit. But there are some, looks like all awkward, 
like fat wallets appear to be outwardly, but kind-hearted, obeying heart, cannot say no to the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? And then, you know, everybody after the drama, they all accused the fat wallace. He destroyed our drama. But I tell you what, God sees different way. God will see totally different side, different ways. <clears throat> okay, don't take me wrong. I'm not suggesting, I'm not insinuating anything to make you to go out and, and become a troublemaker in the church. You should become as meek and lowly like Jesus Christ. We should be, in a way, as cooperative as possible, as humanly possible. Unless we don't have to compromise the truth. You know what I'm talking about. But seldom that's the case. We know that, don't we? Now, let's go back to the story. And I'll finish in, in, in a moment here. Funny thing happens. These parents even lie in order to be stay in the church. They're afraid to be cast out. Okay? And then, and then what happens? Now, verse 22. His parents said these things because they feared the, feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So they again called a man who was blind and said to, 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 to him, It's funny, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I, so I was blind, blind, now I can see. This is a testimony. You see? And then 26, Then they said to man again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> and then that question really made them furious. And then they say this, Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses as for his fellow. We do not know where he's from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he's from, and yet he has, he has opened my eyes? <laughs> now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him? Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. They disfellowshed him. They disfellowshed him from the church. And then Jesus heard about this incident. And I am not going to say this. Let Jesus speak to your heart. Let's read from 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? 
He answered and said, "Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him?" And Jesus said to him, "You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you." Then he said, "Lord, I believe," and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, "For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind." Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, "Are we blind also?" Jesus said to them, "If you were blind, you would have no sin, but now you say, 'We see.'" This means they are Laodiceans, right? They they see they proclaim they we, they see and then they are blind. He said, "We see." Well, you say we see, therefore your sin what remains. Folks, I'm just humble, nobody. I'm just pastor. I'm just nothing compared to the leadership of the church. But I love them. I uphold them in my prayers. But I'll tell you one thing: if our church, as a corporate body, do not recognize a mysterious, uncommon working of the Holy Spirit nowadays in our church, that's going on. Their sins are going to remain. Do you know what I'm talking about? When they reject the work of the Holy Spirit and do not recognize, and they say, "Well, now we see," they claim, "We see," even though they're, they're blind spiritually. Their sins are going to be remained. Oh, I'm so sorry to say this. It's terrible things, 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 things to say, but that's what my Bible is telling me. Oh, folks, we have to pray for the leadership of our church. They are in problem. We have to we have to uphold these souls. They're so busy coming and and meeting for committee meetings all the time. They do not have any time to spend spend word of God and prayer. We have to pray for these dear people. They're in problem. And then time is up. I will finish, but I'll tell you with this note. With this notion, you start to read chapter ten of John. Chapter ten of John is speaking of Good Shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep hear my voice. Right? Though, and I'm the door of the sheepfold. Anyone who doesn't come through me are the thieves and robbers. Now, at this time. Who are the robbers? In chapter nine, you judge. Who were the one who was really with Jesus? Who were the one who was really in the sheep sheepfold? And who were the one who really was outside of the sheepfold? According to chapter nine of John, you decide. I'm not going to say tell you. You decide. When you when you pray, you decide. That's why I'm telling you. You see, when the time of trouble comes, when the Sunday law hits, you will see true purified God's church will be, will be thoroughly, cleanly revealed before your eyes. Let's open one more text: Acts twenty-six, six, chapter seventeen and eighteen. Acts twenty-six, verse seventeen and eighteen. It goes this way. Paul describes beautifully. 
I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of their sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is really opening their eyes experiences. I'll tell you, many, many people are having this experience in this kind of camp meetings. And I know it. I saw it. I will read a quotation here and I'll finish. Desire of Ages, page 477 and 483. It goes this way. Christ applied these prophecies to himself and he showed the contrast between his own character and that of the leaders in Israel. The Pharisees had just driven one from the ford because he dared to bear witness to the power of Christ. As talking about chapter 9 of John experience. They had cut off a soul who the true shepherd was drawing to himself. In this they had shown themselves ignorant of the work committed to them and unworthy of their trust as shepherds of the flock. Jesus now set before them the contrast between them and the good shepherd and he pointed to himself as the real keeper of the Lord's flock. Before doing this, however, he speaks of himself under another figure. And it goes on like this. Jesus thought upon the souls all over the earth who were misled by false shepherds. Those who he longed to gather as the sheep of his pasture were scattered among wolves. And he said, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and they shall become one flock, one shepherd. My prayer is this. God, may God heal you. May God help you. May God bless you. May God open your spiritual eyes so that you all can see what is happening. God bless you. Dear Lord, we pray that you take away the blindness from our eyes. Amen. And we pray that many more people in our church will have the blindness taken away from their eyes. Amen. We pray that you lead us to have the right attitude to those who are still in the Laodicean Amen. condition. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen.